Hi, Juliet the Rabbi here, coming to you from New York City. Uh, Today I'm going to talk about a funeral, and I'm going to talk about the Parsha called Truma. Um, In Judaism, we say that burying someone is the biggest mitzvah of all. Why? Because it's a kindness that cannot be repaid, like a gift. We're giving a gift to the person that we're burying. It kind of struck me as strange when I first heard that, like, wow, we don't usually think of burying someone as a gift, but it's true. It can never be repaid. So that means that it's not transactional. Very un-American, right? <laughs> a mitzvah is enacted in order to bring us closer to God. Or another way to say it is that we can bring God into the world through our actions. That's what a mitzvah is. That's the purpose of the mitzvahs, of the commandments, of which, according to our tradition, there are not 10, but 613. The same number of seeds that are in a pomegranate, so they say. So, saying, what do I get for it, doesn't figure into the equation when we bury someone. When it comes to death, however, more often the feeling is one of being robbed. Someone is being taken away from us. What kind of a gift is that? We don't think about gifts when it comes to a funeral. And I did my first one last Friday. I told you I was going to talk about it, right? And here I am talking about it. And it was a particularly difficult situation. Young woman, there was addiction, mental illness, physical illness, an ugly ongoing custody battle with an abusive biological father. How can kindness or the idea of gifts be any part of this death? If anything, it felt cruel, both the life that was, all the suffering, the fact that it was lost, and the untimeliness of it. Her, her young son insisted on her traditional Jewish funeral for her, whatever that meant to him. I went to the family's house and spent hours talking and listening in their kitchen. I looked at photos, heard about her brilliance, her sensitivity, her talent, and I heard about her pain, and I heard their pain and their guilt, how they'd fallen short as parents. It was clear that they loved her so much that they really, really loved her and had always tried to support her, always. In fact, she lived with them from the time that her baby was born. So they'd really always been there for her. I sat alone with her teenage son for a while in the living room. And when I came back to the kitchen, his grandfather was waiting for me. I think he was really hoping that I would say something not good. He he very quietly said, is he okay? And I hesitated for a moment. And then I said, no. And I'm thinking to myself, why would he be okay? And what would be the purpose of pretending? His father nodded, his grandfather nodded, he understood. And maybe he was grateful for my honesty in the face of his helplessness. 
Later, at the cemetery, a few days later, we walked slowly behind the coffin, pausing along the way to show our reluctance. And we watched as the coffin was lowered into the ground. And just before giving instructions um, on how to proceed with the burial, I talked about the mitzvah of burying someone, the gift that can never be repaid. And then I explained that as a further show of our reluctance, we're supposed to use the back of the shovel as we begin placing earth into the grave for the first few shovels, shovelfuls. But I have to stop here for a moment because I have to say that in my experience, the most profound moment in a traditional burial is watching the coffin being lowered into the ground. The next is hearing the echo of dirt one shovel at a time fall onto the coffin below. It's the ultimate wake-up moment. This is really happening. And we seem to need it, especially when we're in shock. As painful as it is, it's almost like a gift in itself. We're not just giving, so it's not just a gift to the person who died, it's burying them, but it's a gift to ourselves. It makes me think of the people that, you know, when you don't know where in the midst of war and you don't know if someone is lost, if they've died, if they're still alive, you can't bury them. You can't put put them to rest and you can't be at rest yourself either. Like the situation in Gaza and the situation for the hostages and it's just horrible. So at this funeral, as all the mourners gathered around and they were taking turns with shovel and I chanted, I chanted this, this chant. It goes like this. Return again, return again, return to the place of your soul. Return again, return again. Return to the place of your soul. Return to who you are. Return to what you are. Return to where you are born and reborn again. Return again. Return again. Return to the place of your soul. And as I was chanting, I heard someone gasp behind me. It was like a surprising acknowledgement that we're so, wow, like, wow, this is really happening. And we're so intimately connected to the earth. We're going back to the earth, right? Back to ourselves. And it's another, yeah, so it's just one more reminder And I noticed also that to complete the task of the burial, there was a backhoe waiting nearby. It was just like right next to the the grave, which was kind of weird. It just felt weird. It almost felt like the mourners were being robbed of a sense of completion of finiteness or finitude. Is that the word? Finitude? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Like they, people need that. And I almost wanted to give them permission but I resisted it because there wasn't time I wanted to say you know you guys can you can you can all finish the job if you want but 
it just didn't feel like that kind of crowd and I didn't know with my mother we had done that we had decided we were going to do it ourselves but in this case yeah it was it was Shabbat was coming the limos were waiting Shabbat was coming and and it was a long trip home but still people lingered they were reluctant to leave they needed to stand around with each other taking in the moment sharing this moment together and for me not having known the family or her community at all there was suddenly a deep connection between us like we'd gone through this big thing together first the funeral that i had led and then and on all the people sharing and everything and then being at the the grave was this very profound moment and several people stopped to talk to me and i offered a hug and they gratefully accepted and they, they held on to me as though we we even we held on to each other as if we'd known each other forever now i'm going to get to this week's parsha it's called truma and the people israel in this parsha they receive instructions for the building of the mishkan the mishkan is the portable sanctuary that they're going to carry with them through the desert over the next 40 years It is God says so that I may dwell amongst them or depending on how you translate the Hebrew within them betocham and truma means gift the materials that the Israelites are to bring for the building of the sanctuary are gifts they get nothing in return whether they bring pieces of wood or precious stones and metals animal skins or various specially colored yarns to be woven into fabric that will be hung in the tabernacle all are valuable like the gift of the funeral last week each part of it was valuable the stories told the songs sung the tears shed the woman who died had been a gift to her parents her son had been a gift to her and her love had been a gift to him Each person that showed up at the funeral or made the effort to drive out to the cemetery was like a small jewel. Each each shovelful of dirt dropped into the grave was a tiny gem. Each embrace and each hand held, each tear shed, each lingering person sharing their grief with a small was a small piece of gold to another. all these woven together by brightly colored threads made a beautiful fabric of human connection over these past months since the brutal hamas attack on israeli jews and not just jews because there were others you know working there and living there who weren't necessarily jews and then the counterattacks but that was the target and the counterattacks on Gaza that have taken on such huge proportions many people have closed themselves off to the grief of others instead of grief it's anger and rage that overwhelm us and that is that that's expressed or i've heard people say or i've read about people saying especially in israel my grief is so great i don't have room in my heart for the suffering of the palestinians or for the suffering of others we're not okay none of us is okay 
people on both sides have shut themselves off to the other. Maybe it's because we haven't helped each other understand, or maybe we're in the habit of not talking, or more importantly, perhaps, of not listening. If we didn't shut ourselves off and down, grief could be a healing that might bring us together. If only we understood that grief is not something to possess or feel possessive of, but rather a gift offering to others to be shared, expecting nothing in return. If only we understood that. The Israelites are to bring gifts for which they expect nothing in return. This is how they build the sanctuary. And yet there is a gift in return. That gift is God's presence among them and within them. We also could build a sanctuary woven out of the grief we share for God to dwell among us. May it be so. Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom. Until next week. Oh, and visit my website, realrabbinyc.com to learn more about me and my offerings. Yeah. Okay, till next time. Bye.